The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. The Word of God has told us everything we need to know. Therefore, failure to believe in Christ is inexcusable. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of His Word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. <clears throat> oh, gracious Father, as we come to you today, we ask for your divine guidance and illumination. Grant that your Holy Spirit enlightens our minds and our hearts as he leads us into the depths of your word. Help us to understand, gain insight and discernment so that we may apply your teachings to our lives. We pray that the words spoken today resonate deeply within us and lead us closer to you. We ask all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Carl Sagan, a popular scientist and astronomer back in the 1970s and 80s, some of us remember him, once famously referred to the Earth as a as a pale blue dot in the midst of a vast invalid, or uh, in the, in the in the midst of a vast darkness, he referred to us. He referred to the earth and everything in it as like a single pixel in the vast universe. To put it simply, everything and everyone on earth, including humanity, is basically insignificant compared to the vastness of all the universe. And for those of us who grew up during that time, as, as that was kind of taught in school, and evolution was taught in school. We, we came to the conclusion, basically, you come to the conclusion that we're insignificant, that we really don't matter. And because of that, we really don't need to be accountable to anyone. Just ourselves, maybe our families and our loved ones. Now, that's different. Today's world is different. Much different. No longer are we an insignificant part of the universe. Today, we are the center of the universe. It is all about self. It is all about me. Be who you are. Be what you want. Regardless of what may be going on around you. Regardless of your gender. It all got started back 
in the days, some of you may remember, it all got started with this Pepsi generation. You remember the Pepsi generation? The Pepsi generation was a it was just basically a soda campaign against Coca-Cola. But it symbolized a youthful rebellion against society and the norms of society. The term was synonymous with youthfulness and cultural rebellion or cultural reliance on popular culture, the Pepsi generation. See, the Pepsi generation eventually evolved into what the world today calls love and tolerance. Isn't that something beautiful when you hear that? It sounds beautiful. Hey, the world says you need to love one another. You need to tolerate one another. Simply put, that sounds pretty wonderful on the surface. But in reality, it is a wicked, sinful deception of truth, divine truth, absolute truth. The other day, I saw my one of my grandsons, little grandsons. I won't tell you which one. He was playing, but he decided to, he found something on the floor, and he decided to stick it in the wall socket. Now, according to this generation, this loving and being tolerant generation, if you really love him, you would go ahead and let him do that. Because that's what he wanted to do. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's insane. It's absurd to think like that. Wouldn't truly loving him involve stopping him, chasing him, discipline him from doing something that could end his life? It's like him running out to the street, running out to that street over there. Oh, this is a loving, tolerant generation. This world, this worldly, loving tolerance has infiltrated society. And it is also infiltrated our churches, our so-called what we call churches today. Oh, foolish ones. Oh, foolish ones. Now, to gain an understanding of this, we need to ask the question of how it has infiltrated into our churches today. We need to ask the question, what is church? What is church? Well, at its most basic foundational form, in its most basic or foundational form, the believers of Christ make up his church the living stones of his church. Christ followers believe, serve him in accordance to or accordance according to his holy word, according to holy scripture. That's his church. Now to be clear, when we talk about holy scripture, we're talking about God's living word found in the Bible. In verses 25 and 26 and 27 of the passage we just had read, Jesus himself interprets 
how all of Scripture, the entirety of Scripture, was written about him. It all points to him. Christ uses Holy Scripture and only Holy Scripture to identify the things that had to take place that before he came, while he was here, his death and his resurrection. He uses Holy Scripture to interpret that, and only Holy Scripture. Many of, uh, of many things here in Holy Scripture have been misinterpreted by, by uh, religious leaders today when they talk about Christianity or when they talk about the church. Now notice that Christ used Holy Scripture to identify himself, to identify the things <clears throat> about him, and that we as Christ's followers are his church. But what, what we have to notice when we look at what Christ says, we have to notice <clears throat> that he does not use rabbinical interpretations. He does not say, well, Rabbi so-and-so said this, or Rabbi so-and-so wrote this. And so that that's where it comes into this will play for me. He doesn't talk about anything like that. <clears throat> he only uses Holy Scripture. Jesus does not use religious uh, uh, the re religious writings, the religious writings of the church, of the magisterium, for example, to identify who he is and why he came. He only uses Holy Scripture. God's Word is the only source that he uses to identify himself and identify his mission. Moreover, Jesus does not adhere to the traditional customs and sacred rituals of, of that time unless they were written in Holy Scripture. Now, by this time, as we read the passage, do we get the term? Do we, do we get that understanding? Is it starting to form in us? Holy Scripture. Jesus is identified and talks about everything that has happened to him prior to and after is according to Holy Scripture. That is the key phrase. Therefore, if we, if you and I identify ourselves as his church, as Christ's followers, we must not deviate from Holy Scripture. Now, that's not to say we don't stumble and fall at times. We do. But we can't deviate from it. We cannot change it. And see, throughout history, human history, that has happened many times. See, in the church, we know that Jesus is our good shepherd. And Scripture, the Bible, is the guiding light that points us to Christ for salvation's sake. Jesus, as he walks with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, summarizes 
the entirety of the Bible about himself and his followers according to Holy Scripture. Unfortunately, what has happened today, what has been going on, even in church history and even before then, God's word has been misinterpreted or changed or added to or taken from Holy Scripture. Religious leaders have misinterpreted and contradicted Holy Scripture with their own decrees. This is regarded as blasphemy. It desecrates the Bible, and without a doubt, it is sacrilegious. Religious leaders of New Testament times, the church as we know it, has elevated, religious leaders during church time have elevated their own beliefs to the level of Holy Scripture. This is going to touch home for some of us. Religious leaders have not only elevated their own beliefs to the level of Holy Scripture, they've also created rituals that are not a part of Holy Scripture to call tradition to the level of Holy Scripture. So then the corruption of the, of the corrupt church leadership has mistakenly believed, and some still do mistakenly believe, that there are three guiding factors in our church, in the church today. They believe that the guiding factors are the, are the Holy Scriptures, the magisterium, that is the teachings of the church leaders in other denominations called the popes or the, or the bishops, and tradition. They put them at the same level. Now, what has happened throughout church history is there have been many, many problems. There's a been a lot, there has been a lot of corruption of the church during this time. Why? Well, because some of the things that were that were classified as being equal have contradicted Holy Scripture. And we know that it cannot do that because it is Jesus Christ himself that has elevated Holy Scripture to identify who he is and why he came. And if we identify ourselves as the church, <clears throat> as Christ's followers, we cannot deviate from Holy Scripture. When we do, we are no longer a part of the church, his followers. And that, that factor has been going on for centuries. It has been going on in, in, in history past for, for the church, in church history. The corruption led to what, the, what was called the Great Schism back in 1054, where the church actually divided to the East, Eastern, Western orth, uh, churches, Orthodox Church. But it continued to corrupt, not just because of, of, of trying to, to make Scripture level with 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 decrees of the church or rituals of the church or traditions of the church. That continued to, to corrupt the church, but also the corruption of the people that ran the church continued until what until the Great Reformation, the Reformation, which happened in 1517 or started in 1517. The corruption of the church is not stopped. It continues to this day. You see, the world has gained a foothold in this, in the God's church. 
the world has gained a foothold in God's church in the name of love and tolerance. The church today has deviated from the absolute truth of Holy Scripture. Many churches today justify their actions by, re by going back to Holy Scripture and reinterpreting the Bible in the name of love and tolerance. So now, Holy Scripture has been corrupt. They do this to conform to the people of the pews, because they're catering to the people of the pews. It's hard. Church is hard. If anyone knows the church is hard, it should be all of us, this core. We know how difficult it is to be a part of God's church. <clears throat> Can you imagine? St. Stephen's Chapel filling all these, filling the pews, people outside listening, and we getting excited about that. And we have people from the world bringing all their worldly baggage, which that's, that's good. That's what we want. Because <clears throat> we share the gospel. We share God's truth. What if they take offense to it? What if? They start saying, hey, Pastor Manny, you're not being loving or tolerant of me. And there are others like me that, that you're not being loving, and loving and tolerant to. And I respond by saying I'm preaching the Bible. I have to be God-centered and gospel-driven. You know what? We're going to leave. We're going to go do something else. Don't leave. Some churches have decided to cater to the, the people and change Holy Scripture. The people in the pews do not wish to be transformed by God's living word. They would rather conform to society, reflect society. They call out and say, let us be more loving. Let us be more tolerant. These statements contradict God's church, God's word <clears throat> found, in, found in Scripture. Because, it, because to be more loving and be more tolerant, and, and their definition means to water down the truth, to not give them the truth. Would we not tell a loved one that they were on the path of destruction? Loving, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Wouldn't we want to lovingly help, even if it hurt them, lovingly help them by telling them divine truth? God's truth, rather than tolerating what they're, they're doing in their sinfulness, on their path to total destruction. It's like, be tolerant of them as you watch them die. So if you carry out this loving and loving or being more loving or being more tolerant, that would mean if you did, you would want to give them Holy Scripture. You would want to share Jesus with them. You would want to share divine 
truth with it. Listen, we as Christians, we cannot change anyone. Many of us have tried. We've tried. We've tried to change our spouses. We've tried to change other people. We can't do it. Can't do it. <clears throat> but God does that. God handles that. We are only called to share Jesus. We are called to share Jesus, which means sharing the word of God, because Jesus spoke of Holy Scripture. That's God. That's the word of Jesus. That's Holy Scripture. You say God is our God is a God of morality. We have talked about this before. He is a God of morality. He did. He 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 has it. He makes a difference between good and evil. He shows us the difference between right and wrong. In doing this, many in this world get angry at God. Their angle, their angle, their anger kindles against God for telling them that they that they cannot do this. They they should do this and they cannot do that. What are the what are the ways that and when you think about how God doesn't save everybody, or not everybody goes to heaven, so to speak, to be with God. The reason for that is that they don't want to go. They hate God. They get angry at being told that they cannot do this, or they cannot do that. They can do this, and they can do that, but they cannot do that. They don't want to hear about it. Their anger flames against God. Because God is dictating to them what is right and wrong. Isn't that the story of Adam and Eve? Isn't that the story of Adam and Eve? You remember the story of Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve are put into the garden paradise to be tested. To be tested. So as the story goes, they're told by God, in his loving kindness, everything is yours. Everything, this beautiful garden paradise is yours. You have access to everything. Go work the fields. Go partake of anything that you see. You can eat of any tree or bush that you want, anything. All that you want is here. More than you can imagine is here. There is so much here you could not get to it in time, in, in, in a lifetime, so to speak. You'll spend eons basking in the beauty of this garden. But there's one thing you can't do, just one thing you cannot do. You cannot partake. You cannot eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. That's just one thing. Just don't stay away from that. You know, I was thinking about it. Compare that to today. It's like having a father today. When he goes to you, and he's a billionaire, okay, trillionaire, whatever. You got 50 cars, mansions everywhere. You can do what you want. You got all the money in the world. You got access to everything. Anything that makes you happy, you can do it. But you can't go into this room over here. You, you, you can't do that. But everything else, everything else you can do. Can't do this. How dare you tell me I can't go do this? Isn't that the Adam and Eve story? Remember, remember what happened. 
serpent, the serpent came in. So you identified him as Satan. Eve sins against God, but she sins, and her response to the sin, and we read it, is because she was deceived by the serpent. Now, but what about Adam? What about Adam? Adam's disobedience was more sinister. It was. This is why the fall is so bad. Adam detested being told he couldn't do something. God said, you could do anything. This is all yours. He gave you a helper, a beautiful helper. Bone of my bone. Access to everything. Do everything. You're blessed. You walk with God. Everything is perfect. Don't do this. Just don't do that. That angered, that anger, based on what we read in Scripture, it angered, it angered Adam. Uh, he detested it. He hated being told not, that he could not do something. And when the opportunity came to sin, to partake of what he was told not to do, he did it. He could do everything else. He had everything. He had it all. But he denied it. He denied it. He he did. He partook in what he what he what just that one thing he wasn't supposed to do. Isn't that terrible? God blessed him so abundantly, showered him with riches, but he turned it down because he wanted to do what he was told not to do. He detested God for it. How do we know he detested God? Because he disobeyed him. He disobeyed God. Eve goes, hey, here's the fruit. I ate some. Oh, took a bite of it. Took partook it. Didn't even resist. So what is what happens when God approaches him? Oh, yeah, he he's certainly a man after our evil heart. The woman, the woman, the woman. And you, you, you put her in here. Shipped in the blame. It was your fault, God. It was her fault. Well, how wicked is that? How wicked is that? How could God save us for that? He failed the test. Free will. He had perfect free will, and he chose to detest God, to disobey God. We have tainted free will. We don't even have a chance at choosing God. Our, our free will, it's already tainted. Although we may think we can choose him, we cannot choose him. How can God, how could God have saved us? How could he do it? For God so loved the world that he gave us, his son. That's grace. We, we spoke about that just a few minutes ago. We read about it. We prayed about it. That's grace. That's God's loving grace. There, there's nothing in us that merited his loving kindness. He knew that, that we were going to fall. He, he knew. He's God. He knew that Adam was going to sin against him. Why do you think he holds Adam accountable? I mean, it's like he holds, like he directs his... 
his attention to Adam. Now, Eve, he curses Eve. What is Adam? Adam. And but he still saves us. He still, in his mercy, his loving kindness, his grace, gives us his son to come down from heaven and live this perfect life for our sins, to die for our sins, to pay the price, and to live a life that Adam should have lived in total perfect righteousness. He does that for us, for you and me. What a wonderful God. How do you explain someone like that? How do you answer? How do you respond to that love? It is beyond our imagination. So you become a Christ follower. You become a part of his church. So that means that you do not deviate from Holy Scripture. We live our lives according to what he calls us to do, not to be saved. You're already saved. It just shows. It, it, it reflects him. It shows our love for him. Adam did not trust God. Neither did Eve. We, as his church, must trust God. You know, St. Stephen's Chapel is making some changes, and, and God knows that I pray for each one of you, and, and you have this personal relationship with God. And he has us moving from here to there to there to there. And we are following him. And we do that because we trust him. Where is he going to take us? Where are we going to go? Abraham, I don't know. You're going to go. Okay, Abraham, you're going to go where I'm sending you. Okay. You're going to leave all your family. You're going to leave everybody. You're going. Well, God knows what's going to happen. And we will follow him. We will follow Christ. We will be obedient to him. We will trust him. There are things going on in your life. Mystery. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know where it's going to end. But what I do know is I trust him. I can't see beyond what lies next, but I trust him. I trust. That's what Adam should have done. That's what we're called to do as Christ followers. Have you heard Christ calling you? Have your loved ones heard the calling of Christ? Have they responded to that call? And if you responded to that call, have you invited Christ into your house? Just like the in the passage, they come in, they invite the Lord. They don't want him to go. They don't even know for sure who that is. But he broke everything down and explained everything so perfectly according to Scripture. And so they invite him into their house to, to share bread with him, to share a meal. And then he reveals himself to them. Has he revealed himself to you? You've invited him. Has he revealed himself to you? Has he overwhelmed you with his love? As in the passage, it says he vanished. He vanished. They realized, oh, that's Christ. He vanished. 
but he's still there. He's still here through the power of the Holy Spirit. But that part right there, he vanished, means this is a supernatural act. It is supernatural. This is all supernatural. Walking with the Lord, trusting in him, being obedient to him, letting the world be the world, coming to be a part of his church, a part of the being a living stone in his church is who you are. You trust him. But see, it doesn't end in here. We got to go out. We have to get out there into the world and reflect Christ and share Jesus. Wow, that makes me feel so uncomfortable. Man, man, I'm just not the person. She's not a people person. I just, Pastor Man, I just, you know, they're going to say something and I'm not going to know what to say. And just share Jesus. And you know what? When you ask me something you don't know, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I can find an answer for you. Just share him. There are a lot of people that are a part of churches today. Their churches have deviated from Holy Scripture. They have watered it down. They have changed it up. They Whatever they're doing to it. And the people want to remain there. That's not God's church. You were called as a part of the body of Christ to not just be a part of his body, but to go out to the world on a mission for him as a part of his body. It's wonderful to have fellowship with each other, and we're going to have it at the other location where we can get together just to love each other and feed off of each other and then get ready to go. We have to get out there. Our life, your life, is a mission. You're on a mission a commission by Christ himself to go out into the nations. Have you heard his call? Have you responded to his call? Has he revealed himself to you? And he vanished. It's supernatural. It is supernatural. You can't do this on your own. This is bigger than us. This is way bigger than us. It's supernatural. It takes God in you to do it. The Word of God had, has told us everything we need to know for salvation's sake. Therefore, failure to believe in Christ is inexcusable. Let us pray. Of gracious Father, we do. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.